You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast about helping online brands to build a better e-commerce growth engine with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. Ryan, I know you spend a lot of time communicating with business owners and marketing teams about their goals with online marketing. To put these goals in perspective, we have to discuss overall business goals. And that's, to me, where things get really interesting because their current marketing goals are not driving the online business towards an overall business goal. The business or individual usually has set a bad goal. And the best time to you know kind of review those, I would think, is at the beginning of a new budget year, which is typically the start of a calendar year. So, Ryan, today let's talk about setting more appropriate goals to online marketing and align that with business objectives. How's that sound? Sounds awesome. It's one of my favorite topics, actually. I get into this all year, actually. I'll be talking to business owners as they're thinking about becoming a client or working with us, or even if I'm just out you know, having a beer after a conference. I always love talking about goals. It's been a big part of my life and how I operate. So I'm constantly setting goals, revisiting them, and business strategy and, and goal setting go so hand in hand that it just becomes a topic I naturally get to probably in almost every conversation with business owners or marketing teams. And so often I find that there are well-intentioned people throughout an organization that set what seems to be an appropriate goal for their team, and then they get down the road six months to 12 months, and maybe they hit their goal, but it drove the business in a completely different direction than it had actually been anticipated. And without all of the stops in place to really revisit that goal and decide, is this actually working? And are we actually accomplishing what we're trying to accomplish? It can be a very fascinating conversation in that process. So I'm excited about this topic for sure. I recognize, and maybe our listeners don't know, but you run several online businesses yourself, right? Yeah. My wife and I have probably more than our fair share (laughs) that we run. I would think one is a fair share. So the fact that you have more than that is awesome. It speaks to the fact that you put a lot of what you preach into practice, right? Yeah, there's actually not a scenario in which I will advise a business owner or marketing team to do something that I'm probably not already doing or I haven't learned from and therefore advise them correctly based on my own misgivings or (laughs) wasted money. So I imagine in your day, you've probably set a bad goal or two. Oh, man, the list is ongoing and my wife likes to remind me of those. (laughs) (laughs) One funny one recently, I was so mad at myself for this one, we're launching a brand And we decided to launch it on Amazon, partially for the education, but also because I'd been built up as a digital marketer to fear Amazon. And that just kind of made me mad that I was scared of Amazon. And so like, forget it. We're just going to launch a brand on Amazon and see what happens. We have to understand the landscape. Our team was deciding to start up an Amazon ads department. So I said, all right, we'll launch on Amazon and you can have my money and I'll set a wonderfully appropriate goal to make sure we hit our objectives. And initially, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to share the upside with this team, and we're going to have a profit share. They know my margins because they need to know that to run the digital marketing through Amazon and help create the pages and all of that. And so we had this wonderful goal that every dollar of profit we got from ads, they were going to get, I think it's something around 20% of that dollar, whatever that looked like. I can't remember exactly the goal. But my goal as a business owner in launching this business was to dominate the competition. Like I was not in the game for profit. I want to spend down to break even to get customers. I want to understand the Amazon ecosystem. But 
my goal really in this is uh, it's an organic fertilizer, so I want to take down Monsanto. And a pretty lofty goal considering how many billions of dollars they have. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but that was my, I mean, profit was kind of secondary to me. It was like, let's get the product in the hands of people. I want to know their feedback as well as saying, hey, the more people that get it, the better my opportunities for repeat business, et cetera, et cetera. And so we get three months down the road and I'm just frustrated with growth. Like, hey, we kind of went up aggressively and we started the marketing. It was exciting. My partners and I were looking at numbers daily. It was actually when the Apple Watch, which we all had, had an, the Amazon ping every time you got a sale. And it was just be great. We'd have a glass of wine at the end of the day and our watch would go off and we're like, yay, we just got a sale. This is awesome. <laughs> so we're excited. But it flatlined so quick. And three months in, I was talking to the team. I was like, what? There's way more search volume here on Amazon than what we're capturing. I could see our search rank and where we were ranking at the competitors and their, their sales volume based on reviews and all these other metrics we had to look at. And we were not moving the needle forward according to my overall business goal of becoming one of the largest houseplant fertilizers in the marketplace. And the team's like, oh, well, the numbers are great. I mean, look at, we spent $5,000 and we generated ten, twelve thousand $12,000 of profit. You cut us a check on the side for $1,000. Isn't this great? Oh, that is not my goal. Profit's not bad. The partners they weren't upset about the profit, but the flatline growth had to do with the fact that our marketing team that was pushing the levers and pulling the levers on the Amazon ads weren't actually able to accomplish my overall goal of market share and getting sales and new users because they were being conservative to protect that margin, which was their goal. And so I had to go back to the team and be like, okay, I like the fact that we're able to pay you because you generated profit. You nailed the goal. Awesome job. High fives all around. But as a business owner, I have to now change the goal because I don't really care about profit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I care about sales. And so we adjusted the goal to get onto percent of overall revenue as long as we're not losing money. So I said, if there's a dollar in profit, I'm still paying you and I'll technically lose money as a brand, but that's the goal I want is aggressive sales growth regardless of dollar profit from marketing because that initial order is what I'm getting on Amazon and we have some brand campaigns set up so we can avoid brand, non-brand stuff. But turns out we started growing again once we adjusted that goal and better aligned with my overall business vision. But that was frustrating for me, but it's also an example of how easy it is to get going on the wrong goal just because good intentions or not, I set a goal that just wasn't appropriate. Well, I think that aligns with the current digital marketing landscape, which has had a major shift over the last few years. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. And it's constantly changing. I think one of the reasons I still have a job in the digital marketing space is because it's constantly changing and the landscape is constantly in flux. Google, where the largest percentage of spend many times is for a company, in the last couple of years, we've gone from 11 text ads down to seven, and there's more companies competing. So you can see you compressed the amount of available ad space and then increased the number of advertisers. Logic dictates what's going to happen when that does. There's just an increase in cost per click and, and a real shift. Maybe five, six years ago, a lot of our e-commerce clients would have said, set a goal around profit and I need to get profit from ads because it's available. And now profit from that first ad isn't necessarily there for every company. In fact, many industries, it's you're losing money no matter what happens on Google ads or Microsoft ads. But you're moving the focus from that initial sale and what are you getting from that sale to what's the lifetime value am I getting from that? And so it's extending out that return. We started doing this actually, funny enough, probably about four or five years ago with a company called Harry and David where they 
did the math and actually understood how much money they should be losing on that first order to maximize their long-term lifetime customer value and how many companies they could get and how much market share could they capture. It was a real fascinating study, but we're finding that to be more the norm now than shooting for a 10x return on ad spend when your margin is 50%. Yeah, so they're basically looking to break even on that initial order. A lot of companies should, whether or not they are or not. My advice to a lot of companies is that first, what we would consider a non-brand acquisition, so somebody searching for your product or service and not your brand, that order in a perfect world right now should probably not have profit. It should be right about break even. And then having some lifetime value, being able to email them and bring them back into the brand through the same product again, another service, another product, having that future business coming in where your profit actually comes from. Yeah, because that cost of that second sale is so much cheaper. Oh, yeah. And the more customers you can acquire on a non-brand search, the less customers your competitors have. Because that person searching for you know, product A unattached to a brand at this point. They're going to buy from somebody. It might as well be you because now you have that customer data. And that ends up becoming one of the most important things to a brand, regardless of whether you're a retailer or a brand. It's that customer data and knowing something about them that maybe your competitor doesn't know. So is it safe to say that the number of levers that have impacted digital marketing return has just magnified tremendously over the past few years? And and maybe that's causing confusion with the goals? I think so. I think you also have a lot of marketing teams and business owners that have goals that they have them and they don't necessarily know why. They've had them for years and it comes across to companies big and small that either their goal is, yeah, we just kind of take last year's numbers and add 10, 15%, whatever we think the market's going to do and that's our goal. Or, hey, we have this profit goal from paid search and we look at it as a profit center and we always have. Therefore, why would we change that? And what I'm seeing from a broad stroke high level is most of those companies looking at profit goals from their marketing are shrinking as much from what their spend could be or what the actual new customers coming through that channel could be, or it's causing them to focus more on just brand search in their paid channels, which is meaning they're capturing the same customers over and over and over again, and they're not actually growing their database. So step one is to understand and acknowledge that we've had bad goals. Right. And step two is to fix those goals and make sure that we've got marketing in alignment. So I think we can all agree. Well, at least in some part, we've all had bad goals. You had a great example of a bad goal earlier on. And now that we've all agreed on that, let's talk about how we can fix those. Can you walk us through maybe an example conversation you've had with clients who have had bad goals and how you start to correct those? One actually comes to mind it's in the auto parts space. Generally speaking, the margins are not extremely high. This particular brand, though, manufactures and goes direct to consumer. And so their margins are higher than most. In fact, their margins, I think, are just below 50%. But they're a fairly large organization online. I think they're doing north of 50 million or so per year through their website. We took it over from another agency and magnified their sales phenomenally. I mean, I think they spent 1% 1% less year over year, one of the months we looked at before I was talking goals with them, spent 1% less and had 50% more revenue. Mm. And their overall profit, because they track profit outside of that for their marketing team, was up 57% on marketing, even including agency fees, because I think that was about a wash agency to agency. So high level, numbers look phenomenal. I mean, they are 
really printing a lot of money on their paid search. And they were beside themselves excited. The marketing team was in a great spot. They were super happy. One of our better references in the space. But as we got into the numbers and started talking about overall business goals and what they could or should be doing, it became apparent that their marketing team had an incentive to create profit from paid search ads, which is one of the reasons they were so excited to be working with us at Logical Position, because profit from paid search ads was up 57%. And so obviously their incentive was looking fairly solid. Diving into the numbers, they're a $50 million auto parts company that's part of a huge market. I mean, 50 million is one of the probably top five players in their specific segment, but it could be massive. You know, they could probably be doing 100, 150 million a year online Mm. rather quickly, but they're being held back by some of their goals internally. And so analyzing analytics and Google ads together uncovered some things where they only had about 20% of the impression share and shopping on some of their non-brand queries. And not that impression share is an end-all be-all because it can be manipulated within shopping to show almost whatever you want. This was fairly clean data that we knew that the market was fairly big for what they were doing. And so despite their numbers being great, I had to talk to the CFO and talk to them about you know, overall business goals and their goal is to really become a big player. And they do want to hit that 100 to 150 million revenue number online. And I had to talk to them about, okay, well, your marketing team is getting like a 14x, spend a dollar, get $14 in revenue on non-brand terms, which is phenomenal in the auto space, Mm -hmm. especially in a place as competitive as theirs. There was a lot of room to run, even with profit in the space. And so I put some numbers in front of them and said, okay, Right now, you're using kind of a 15x as a barometer of success in non-brand search. What if you were able to say, lower that goal to a 4x? You know, you spend a dollar, you get $4 in revenue, still technically profitable. What would that do to your spend, to your overall sales, to your new customers? I mean, let's just play this out and see what happens. And it basically said, if you tripled your budget, on non-brand terms, and we're, st- we're talking about a six-figure budget, so it's not inconsequential on a monthly basis, you are still able to get the same amount of end profit to the organization as you had before, but you were able to acquire a vast amount of new users. And so if you're manufacturing, your fulfillment, all these things can keep pace with that, you should be pushing for a much lower return on ad spend on your non-brand goals to take that market share because they were covering such a small it was almost like a the tip of the iceberg. And they, they were being successful. There's no scenario in which they weren't happy. But the magnitude that they could move below that waterline and capture a massive amount of market share from competitors was for sure there. And that's not the case with every company we look at or talk to. Some of them have really maximized their acquisition ability on non-brand terms. But most companies out there listening to this podcast, there for sure is the ability to push more aggressively. You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast focused on e-commerce growth. Your hosts are John McDonald, founder of The Good, a conversion rate optimization agency that works with e-commerce brands to help convert more of their visitors into buyers, and Ryan Garrow of Logical Position, a digital marketing agency offering pay-per-click management, search engine optimization, and website design services to brands of all sizes. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us out by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you.
So let's talk about the different levers then that are involved in that equation. I heard you say that they got a few of those wrong and had to go back and correct them or that it's limiting them. Can you tell us about a handful of these levers that everyone should be considering when they're setting goals? Yeah, so first you have to separate out brand and non-brand. So people searching for your brand and your brand plus product or brand plus service, those are your earned customers. You've already done the work either in digital marketing or branding offline or social media. Those people are actually searching for you. That group of people searching, you're not going to be able to necessarily set a goal that you can stick to around that because it's going to depend on what are your competitors doing what does the landscape look like on Google based on your brand? You know, if you're Kleenex, your brand search is a little nebulous based on are they looking for you or are they looking for just your product because you've been branded so well for that particular product? Separating that out. So you have to have very clean data in your account to say, okay, that's one piece of the account that's just going to, we want to maximize our coverage. And that's really your goal there. Acquisition goals in the paid search realm or digital marketing realm are around new customers to your brand. We call them new to file customers. They're new to file and new in your CRM, new in your email database. That's really where you have a lever to push and pull for your acquisition of new customers. So that's where you take into account what are your margins? What's your lifetime value? So those are numbers the brand has to be able to at least have a good understanding of. Margins, fairly easy to capture that. But usually we'll start with just a broad stroke. You know, what's your average margin? If it's going to range between 40 and 50, depending on the product line they're buying. But to meet in the middle right now, at least to start with goal setting at 45. Great. Let's figure out what your break even is. And then what's your lifetime value? You know, how often do they come back and rebuy or how often should they? And most companies don't know this piece. And so this is where the kind of guessing and revisiting goals comes into play because you might not have a successful email campaign currently and you're going to start it right away. And so you're going to make an estimate that, okay, our product has a lifespan of six months. So we expect to be able to get in front of these people again in six months. Great. Let's figure that then. So how many customers should we be acquiring to get this test going? Some companies, and actually I would say most companies don't start with a goal of losing money to acquire a customer. Let's just break even and figure out how hard can we push. This makes people really nervous, by the way. Yeah, Uh, I can only imagine. (laughs) Especially that CFO you always have to talk to. Oh, yes, the CFO. And in my world, the CFO is my wife. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, if I could spend a hundred grand tomorrow on digital marketing and get a hundred thousand in profit, that'd be great. That makes some CFO like my wife very nervous to see, oh, the potential to spend a hundred thousand dollars tomorrow is there. What if we only brought in eighty thousand dollars of revenue mm-hmm. or profit? That would be concerning to have the family at a deficit of twenty grand in one day. The wonderful thing about Digital marketing, specifically, we're going to we'll focus on Google right now, I guess, for the purpose of this conversation. Money comes back into the brand almost as quick as you're putting it out. And depending on how Google's billing you, whether it's net 30 or whether it's, you know, every $500 and how quickly your merchant processor is bringing your payments into your bank account, generally speaking, it's a very quick wash on that. Like money goes out, money comes back in. And because you can see in Google ads in fairly close to real time, what sales are coming in, there's very little risk to the cash flow of a business. And that's where most CFOs start coming at me within the cash flow. Like, oh, well, we got to buy product. We've got to do all these other things. Yes, you have to do that. But if money's coming back in as quick, in theory, it's not causing any issues. There can be issues with having the product in stock, 
If you are a manufacturer, do you have the bandwidth to create that volume? Do you have the ability to fulfill that? There's a lot of other questions that come into that based on what we think the volume could be. So as you're going into this, the threshold may not be how much can you spend, but it could be how much can we produce, sell, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of considerations within this space. Ryan, one thing I've heard you talk a lot about between conversations with the clients that we jointly work with is something called the halo effect, right? So over time, if these brands are investing in that non-branded search or shopping more aggressively, they'll have that halo effect. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yes. So you're going to set a goal. And for most of you listening, start with a goal around breaking even on non-brand. And that needs to be on search and shopping. But shopping is the fun one on Google. That's where you, if you control your search terms well enough, and this one isn't necessarily easy to control because shopping is not set up with keywords. So it does take some manipulation of the campaigns and structure and hierarchy and negative keywords, all of that. So let's assume you have that together. Pushing aggressively in non-brand shopping, I'm staring at my computer screens now. So let's just say you're selling computer screens down to break even by marketing aggressively in shopping and pushing for extra units there. Most people that go to Google Shopping, actually two things, they buy something different. So what you're pushing in shopping as far as the click, over 50% of the time, they're going to buy something entirely different. So that's where it does become important to monitor what they're buying because if your margins are different, it can be problematic. But they also convert often through other channels. And so I personally, when I shop on Google Shopping, when I click it, I buy it. I don't do a tremendous amount of research or I've done it beforehand. By the time I'm looking on Google Shopping, I click, I buy. Uh, There's not a huge attribution funnel for my personal purchases. And so it's unique for me when I look in the data and actually see that Google Shopping actually opens more sales than it actually closes. So if you're clicking on computer screens on Google Shopping, on average, you're going to come back and buy through a different channel. So if you look in Google Analytics, you can see a to conversions. You're going to see that the halo effect of investing in Google Shopping on non-brand terms, your organic traffic generally will increase. Your email will generally increase. Your direct traffic, your referrals, your social media, all of these channels will be impacted by Google Shopping. It's fascinating to see the impact that Google Shopping can have across channel. And it's, it generally doesn't get the credit that it's due. So... Do you mean that organic and direct traffic and these other brand channels are all going to have noticeable revenue increases as well? They should. Again, it's not a, in a vacuum where it's perfect for every brand across the world. But generally speaking, do it for three months and look at the numbers and you should see an increase. Now, if you're doing SEO as well, you would expect organic to continue to increase as well. But using the Google Analytics assisted conversions, you should be able to see where Google Shopping is having an impact. And you can actually get down to the conversion paths and all that fun data to tell you what is being impacted the most by your extra investment in Google Shopping. In fact, just had a conversation with the CFO of one of our clients uh, a few days ago, and they've been investing in non-brand shopping at a lower return on ad spend than they normally would because they've been seeing this halo effect. So they've measured it and said, hey, we actually in art there it's a very competitive space where there's not a lot of profit if any to be had in the digital marketing space because of the competition but for them they realized hey we've got this extra data showing that organic traffic is having an uptick and so is you know email and direct traffic based on 
what analytics is telling us about our investment in shopping. Therefore, we can go down a little bit below break even because of that halo effect and allows them to get a little more aggressive because they do have a pretty strong lifetime value where people are coming back into the brand after their first acquisition. So I heard you say, Ryan, a little bit about how often you should be looking at this data. How often do you feel like people should be reviewing that data and then perhaps even revisiting their goals? I'm probably a little more odd in that I'm always looking at data constantly in there. And you want to be aware of it. You can also get caught in making knee-jerk reactions too quickly. So I caution most marketing teams or business owners to go in there daily and look at the data and want to make changes. You have to let the experts in marketing do their thing. I like to revisit goals quarterly. So for my businesses, I want to say, all right, I was shooting for this goal quarterly. Let's look at what happened. And do I need to pivot the goal, adjust the goal based on what my business is trying to accomplish? Like I did with organic fertilizer, I did revisit the goal quarterly. And thankfully I did because I was able to adjust and make it a better goal to help me drive the business where I want it to go. In marketing, we always have the best intentions of and the best hypothesis is going in saying, if we do this, we believe this is going to happen. There's always something that's going to go wrong. Always. You may not completely miss the goal. We may go in with one hypothesis saying, oh, there's this much search volume on this term. Let's go get it. And then there's more or less. And so we have to pivot a goal. And that's really where some experts can be valuable on your marketing team and seeing that because knowing that it's going to be different than what you expect, being able to pivot and adjust on the fly is very important for the minutia of working on account in the paid search realm. So marketing teams in the account, constantly look at the data make adjustments to help the account get to the goal. And then higher level, I would be looking at your goals quarterly to see if those goals are appropriate and they're heading in the direction that you really wanted them to go. So who do you recommend is involved in that conversation then, right? Because I've heard you mention the CFO a few times and I've heard you mention the marketing teams and of course the marketing experts that they might be working with to help them drive traffic. Who all do you think should be involved in those goal setting conversations on a quarterly basis? To a degree, I'd say less is more. I don't like meetings in general. More people generally cause meetings to go longer. So I like to keep it small. Depending on the size of your organization, you may not have a large marketing team. You may not have a CFO. So it's business owner and marketing team, period. If there is a CFO in the organization, I highly recommend they're involved in the goal because they're going to have a general overview of what's going on in the organization. And maybe the sales volume is not sustainable based on inventory levels or manufacturing capabilities or you know the ability to ship and distribute. And so the CFO should have some insight on that. And so I for sure think a CFO should be involved also from a, just a cash perspective. You need somebody that understands the digital marketing deep enough to be able to talk strategically, but also not, you know, the person actually pushing all the buttons necessarily. And then, you know, the person leading marketing overall should probably be involved. So just like all goals, there's value in discussing those goals with experts though, right? Wouldn't you suggest that they have a third party review these goals as well? I would probably bring a third party in, maybe not necessarily quarterly, but at least annually to look at your goals, maybe biannually, somebody that you trust to just have an unobstructed view of what you could or should be doing. Audit of Google's a place where you're spending a lot of your money. Maybe have an audit at least once a year. Hey, you're working with logical position. I don't dissuade somebody from having an audit done by somebody just to see, help keep them accountable. Accountability is not a bad thing. You want to make sure that you as a business owner or head of marketing are really getting what you're paying for or that you're 
goals are appropriate and, and driving the business in the direction that you need it to be going. Right. And you're not missing those potential pitfalls of that goal, right? Yeah. yeah. There are pitfalls of all kinds of goals that if you're expecting lifetime value, but your email program is not generating it, maybe you can't be shooting for break even on the first order because you need some of that profit to cover you know, a retail store that maybe isn't as profitable as it should be. There's a lot of variables to every business on the planet that one size doesn't fit all as far as a digital marketing goal. But you can use guidelines or guardrails in place to help formulate the most appropriate goal. Okay, Ryan. Well, this has been an amazing topic. I know I can't wait to start refining some of my own goals here at The Good. Anything else you wanted to add to this conversation? I think just the most important thing is just make sure you're having fun. I see too many business owners and marketing teams getting into the minutia of goal setting or digital marketing, and it just becomes not fun. And that's really why a lot of people are in business in the first place. Yeah, it's a job. It pays the bills. But if diving into the details is not fun, find a way to make it more enjoyable. Enjoy the process of setting goals, analyzing them, and really find ways to win. It should be fun talking through goals. It should be fun talking the business strategy of how are you, is your brand going to win in 2020? And in this new decade, I mean, the potential right now for every brand is huge. You've got a new decade to look at. Have fun with it. Set some goals. Be aggressive. Conservative goals aren't nearly as fun to accomplish as aggressive, big pie-in-the-sky goals. I would say most people would think that looking at numbers can't be fun. But you know what? If those numbers are going up and to the right, and they're trending positive, and you've set the right goals that are helping you achieve success and revenue and profit, then things get a lot more fun, right? They do. And I like setting goals to like, hey, there's a bottle of champagne in place where when we hit this micro goal on the way to our big goal. I love it. Well, most people listening probably don't know that Ryan lives out in Sherwood, Oregon, which is in the heart of Oregon Pinot. So I'm surprised you use champagne instead of a bottle of uh, fine Pinot Noir, but we'll pop it either way <laughs> and enjoy. <laughs> so, all right, Ryan, well, this has been a wonderful conversation. I can't wait to set my goals, as I mentioned, and hopefully everyone else is going to do the same for a successful 2020 and decade. And we'll chat soon. Yeah. And if anybody really out there wants to talk goals, reach out. I mean, it's fun. John and I do this constantly for brands all over the planet. For me, I'm sure for you as well, John, it's just, it's fun. Reach out because those conversations, even if you're not working with us, I just enjoy the process and talking through and helping companies align their goals. Great. Well, we'll look forward to hearing from everybody. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to Drive and Convert with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. To keep up to date with new episodes, you can subscribe at driveandconvert.com. 